Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. We're physically tired. Right. We're uh, spiritually and emotionally pumped. Yes, we we truly are. And we've just learned we don't take on their pain. Mm-mm. We just help weed through it and help give a clear path to continued growth. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So today we're going to do something a little different. Um, We've never done this before. In fact, today I'm not alone. I have my husband, Mark, with me. Hi, all. And so we're actually going to answer some frequently asked personal questions. Right. (laughs) Yes. And we get them all the time. We do. Um, You know, it's so funny because, um, you know, we get a lot of questions asked Mm -hmm. about things like um, marriage, relationships, parenting, all that good stuff. But um, we also get a fair amount of questions just asked about our personal life, um, kind of what's going on in our world. And so we were like, well, let's just do a podcast episode. on Right. That. Right. That makes sense <laughs> that we would do that. So anyway, that's what we thought we'd do today and um, that we would actually answer some of those questions that sometimes they're sent in on emails or social media. And sometimes they're just asked in person. Right. Like if we're, you know, if we're at a speaking event, people ask us these questions. If we're even out to dinner with friends. Right. Um, they'll ask these questions. So we were yeah. like, hey, uh, let's kind of look at the frequently asked questions and let's talk about that. Right. We thought um, this would be fun. Yeah. So anyway, um, with that in mind, we're going to jump right in. Right. So the, the first question that we have is, what are you reading right now? Well, first of all, I want to say that I used to be a non-reader. That's very true. Uh, I You couldn't be bothered with it. No. And, and you said you couldn't keep your focus. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I've got like four or five books going at one time. And Jill's like, how do you do that? <laughs> and, uh, you know, my ADD kicks in and I uh, get tired of reading one book. I'll hop into another one. So, but the one that I just finished is called The Ins and Outs of Rejection by Charles R. Solomon. Mm-hmm. And we'll put this book in the notes. Uh, we'll put a link to this book in the notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Jill and I have really noticed a pattern in couples 
that we've been coaching and the pattern uh couple couples and individuals yeah that we've been working with uh-huh the pattern is uh rejection yeah and just feeling rejected as children and how that's even continued to play out as adults right and that rejection is bottom line it goes back to your core family and that uh you're just not loved and cared for the way that that you crave or you desire and you end up feeling isolated or rejected so your core family you mean the family of origin right the family that you grew up in right so maybe there was just some missing connection there right. And then that missing connection, um, your mind and your heart view that as rejection yes. in some way. Yep. And uh, so what I what I've learned is that that rejection, which was fueled by maybe your parents shamed you, and we definitely see a, a dominant theme of shame. I carried shame. I also carried this idea of rejection. In fact, uh, what you and I both realized when you and I were talking about uh, what I was reading, mm -hmm. that I actually made decisions out of this rejection that fueled me to pursue the affair and to leave you. Right, right. Rejection was really, but it what I wasn't rejecting you. No, I but wasn't. I was, I was actually filtering everything through. This idea of rejection that I assumed you re were rejecting me, I ultimately began to reject you in the way that I was rejected as a child. Right, right. So, it, and this is part of what we love doing with others. You know, when we do our coaching, when we do our intensives, mm -hmm. we love helping people get to the heart right. of what's going on. And it's never what's on the surface. No. It's just never what's on the surface. Well, and if you just bandage what's on the surface or stay focused on what's on the surface, change is short is so short term, short lived. And then people get frustrated and, and I tried this. It didn't work. Well, yeah, you're just uh, managing behaviors rather than getting to the heart and the soul of what's tripping you up. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, so rejection plays out as adults in pride and selfishness and in inferiority and identity confusion. Like um, insecurity, yep. like being insecure. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, you could, uh, it plays out at you take on this role of an imposter mm -hmm. uh, that like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. Nice guy, nice girl. All of a sudden you're ignited and it's like, who is that person? Mm -hmm. So anger and rage become a part of your can become can part. become a part of your framework. And uh, another part of your framework can be the reenacting the way that you were raised. Uh, you start uh, acting out in the same way that you were raised. So you start rejecting those around you, believing that they're rejecting you when they are not. They they might actually be uh be communicating healthy boundaries and you're taking it as a personal rejection. Right. Yeah. Which is actually what happened to us right before 
you went off the rails. <laughs> right. We were in Florida. We were. And, and we were sitting on the beach reading a book. Uh, Jill had her uh, lounge chair. I had my lounge chair. And I kept reaching over to touch her. Which is pretty common for you. You're very touchy-feely. Yeah. But almost... Um, the word I would have described before our crisis was very emotionally needy. Right. You were very needy. And yeah. it was like, you needed to be touching me. And mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't to connect with me. And that's what I could feel it. It wasn't to connect with me. It was so that you felt oh, good, good about yeah. yourself. Yeah. And I could, I could feel that. I couldn't put my finger on it. Right. But I, was frustrated that day because a, you kept trying to hold my hand and I'm holding a real book. Okay. I don't work on a tablet. I don't read on a tablet. I'm a real book person and I, I can't hold the book and turn the pages with one hand. No. (laughs) And finally I was like, Mark, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. You don't have to be touching me all the time. I'm right here. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. Right. And And you ignited. Yeah. Like you didn't explode at me. You shut down. Right. And you actually made a vow in that moment that you were done. done. Yep. And it was out of my own uh, emotional uh, baggage, out of my own rejection and shame. And uh, I could have never communicated back then what I know now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that is, uh, the power of, of learning and growing. It is because when you were reading this book, mm-hmm. what's the name of it again? Uh, in the in and out of rejection, the in and out of rejection, which by the way, it's not available on Amazon. No. Well, it is, but it's like, like 70 se- bucks. I know. I don't know why, but you, um, ordered it direct from the ministry that right. provided it. So we'll include that that link, as Mark said, we'll include that link um, where you can also order it if it interests you. But as you were reading it, you're telling me this, you're having all of these um, aha moments. Right. And this was just a month ago when you started reading this and you're having all these aha moments like, oh my gosh, this was me. Mm -hmm. And the last 10 years, it hasn't been you because you've totally Mm -hmm. um, changed how you think about yourself, you've had personal healing Mm -hmm. and it hasn't been you, but you do have to battle it. I do. And what's important is uh, where I am now and what I've learned uh, about where I was further cements my decision to keep moving away from who I was. I want to keep getting better. I want to keep transforming and it learns from realizing the the message that I was sending to myself. Yeah. And so you were reading parts of the book to me as you were reading it and you were like, this was me. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's when I said, that was you on the beach in Florida. Right. And, and all of a sudden you were like, oh my gosh, it totally was. Yeah. So yeah, that's, so here we are. I mean, we've done a ton of healing Mm-hmm. But we're still growing. Right. We're still um, having aha moments. I had one um, recently. Um, this is a little off topic for where we're going, but hey, let's just keep going here. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
So I've, you know, if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, I talk about being an avoider and an, an avoider avoids emotion. And, um, I had several things that happened in my lifetime, um, especially when I was like 12, when I was 15, where I kind of learned my, my emotions weren't tended to. So I learned to buck up. Mm -hmm. I told myself feelings don't matter, but we were driving, um, in Southern Indiana and we went through Bloomington, Indiana, and I lived there as a young child and, um, Somehow we got on the subject of talking about me being in the hospital in Bloomington, Indiana. Right. We were on a trip with both of our moms. We were doing a bucket list. Right. And, and you, your mom mentioned, and you were in the hospital here. That's right. In Bloomington. And so we started talking about me being in the hospital in Bloomington. And the reason I was in the hospital is um, I was bit by a brown recluse spider when I was four years old and Do you I like was... spiders to this day. <laughs> no, don't like spiders. <laughs> no, any size. It doesn't matter. And I can never kill them correctly. <laughs> no, you try to like grab them and you have to smash them. <laughs> Annihilate them. Oh, oh my gosh. And so anyway, um, we got to talking about that and we were talking about the fact that Parents back then, so this would have been Mm -hmm. 1968, couldn't stay the night with their kids in the hospital. Yeah. So every night my mom and dad had to leave Mm -hmm. and I was four years old in the hospital by myself. Right. And as we're having this conversation, all of a sudden I'm having this realization and we got to our next uh, hotel room and as Mark and I were unpacking, I looked at him and I said, I had a huge realization today. And he said, what? And I said, I became an avoider when I was four years old, left in a, ho- in a hospital room. And I remember crying. I remember crying for my parents. Mm-hmm. I remember the nurses coming in and saying, you just need to go to sleep. You're mm-hmm. going to be fine. You just need to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anyone comforting me. Um, and I was in the hospital for a lengthy period of time. In fact, my parents were told I had a 50, 50 chance of living, um, cause I was one very, very, very sick little girl. And so I said to you, I just realized I became an avoider when I was four years old in the hospital. Yeah. So even though we have had a lot of healing, we're still personally growing and I love that. Right. I do too. And what I love, and just a reminder that we don't look back to blame. Oh my goodness, no. We look back to understand. To understand and to keep moving forward. If you don't understand, you can't make movement. Yeah. You stay stuck. Yep. And so that that definitely so we tend to read a lot of books that help us to further understand, not only for ourselves, but because now we're in the people helping business. Right. As marriage coaches and um life coaches, we are helping people. And so it I mean, we're doing even more research and reading and understanding mm-hmm. to help people even better, but we're still learning about ourselves in right. the meantime. Yeah. But we do read for fun too. Right. We um, do. like yep. you love, what are the, you find books 
on your tablet that you read at night. Fiction. uh, And there's a lot of freebie books. And you find some really uh, interesting authors. And uh, I really enjoyed that. And uh, from BookBub and other uh, type resources. And for me, I do enjoy fiction as well. I enjoy memoirs. You do. Um, love memoirs or biographies. Um, but one book that I'm reading right now is I'm reading um, Lisa Whittle's The Hard Good. Yeah. And um, it's been a really, it's been a good book because she talks about the hard stuff in life, but the good that can come from it. And if we can see how God uses the hard in our life to do good, to teach us lessons, to help us understand, to grow us. Mm-hmm. Um, that that it's a it's a perspective changer, right? And this isn't a new message for you. You're really a hard, good kind of girl. Well, I've been through a lot of hard in my life, right? And but you're never. Well, I was hard to say you're never rocked by it. Oh, you are rocked. I was going to say I was rocked when you left. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> cancer. Right. Uh, I've had cancer. We've had the infidelity. Uh, um, a child we adopted that has mental. A lot of mental health issues. Um, mm-hmm. Just challenge after challenge after challenge. Yeah. So, but I do see the good in the hard. Mm-hmm. And I look for that. I, I do actively look for that. And, you know, I've been thinking about it. That does come natural to me. And I've thought about why has that somewhat come natural to me? And, you know, I think I am grateful for the home that I grew up in because it did nurture my faith. And I remember my mom um, or my parents, they subscribed to Guidepost magazines. And Guidepost magazine is just one God story after another God story. Right. And I I just remember, I remember reading books like um, Corey Ten Boom's The Hiding Place when I was young. And that's about having a God perspective. And so I think that I had that foundation for the hard good laid at an early mm-hmm. age. And I'm, I am grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also why I think it's important that we are encouraging our kids to read in their younger years so that right. they're also equipped. Right. I remember my grandmother had Guidepost magazine and, uh, I can remember some of the powerful stories that they influenced a faith that didn't truly exist, but wanted to exist. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because you weren't really raised in a Christian environment. No. Yeah. No. Yep. So anyway, the hard good by Lisa Whittle, also a great read. Yep. All right. Well, wow. We took a long time on that first. Right. We did. Some of these others are quicker. Yeah. So uh, another question people have asked us is your kids are all grown. Do they all live uh, relatively close by? Yeah. So three live in our community and um, which 
for those of us of the you that don't know, uh, we live in normal Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a lot of fun with that. You know, right. our goal is to help people know what is the normal stuff of life and how to handle the normal stuff of life with a living faith. And um, so they, so three live um, in the normal area. And then one lives in Peoria, which is an hour away. Right. And one lives in Australia. Which is not an hour away. No. <laughs> when no. they say down under, they mean it. <laughs> yeah, they do. And we made our first trip to see him in, um, let's see, January of 2020. Right. Right before, before the world shut down. Yeah. We went and um, was our first trip to Australia. Um, and somebody asked, how did you afford that? I mean, that is an expensive flight. Let me tell you how we afforded it. We uh, have a uh, Delta credit card and um, it earns miles yep. and we put everything on it so that we can earn our miles mm-hmm. and um, and then we turn around and pay it off right, right away. I mean, we don't we don't carry any balances on our credit card, but we were able to make that trip, I think, for one hundred and fifty bucks a piece. Yeah. Um. Just we had to pay taxes and insurance and that kind of stuff, which right. was amazing. Oh, it was um, amazing. But that, yeah. It was the only way we could have afforded to mm-hmm. make that trip. Yeah, it is. Um, so it was really fun. And we do hope to go back in the future. Um, he's been trying to get home right. um, for the last two years um, since everything's been shut down as well. But he's mm-hmm. not been able to. So we're looking forward to him being able to travel back home and us being able to go there again. Right. So another question is, how many grandkids do you have? And the um, the answer to that is, it's complicated. That's so true. <laughs> like so many of you that are uh, that are listening, it's complicated. Yeah. So we actually have eight grandchildren, um, and uh, so we have. Our, our son that has the mental health issues has fathered two children that he has no relationship with. Mm-hmm. One of them was, um, one of them was adopted by a relative and of which we were so grateful, Yeah, a relative on my side of the family. And that means that we have a grandbaby niece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'll tell you what, tell Life is messy. Mm-hmm. It is complicated. It is messy. And then we also have a, a grandson that he fathered. He has no relationship with. We um, have some relationship with because um, he's living with his uh, biological mother's mom. And so we're, um, uh, we do see them or communicate mm-hmm. with them on occasion. Um, but not actively um, uh, involved in his life. No. Um, but we try to be present mm-hmm. in his life. So six that we spend a lot of time with and um, and that um, usually are a part of our um, cousins weekends mm-hmm. and our cousins camps that we do. Um, once a month, we try to have a, uh, any of the grandkids that want to join us um, at our house Mm -hmm. and we give their parents 24 hours off 
and we, and then they get to spend time with their cousins. We get to spend time with them. And then in the summer we do cousins camp, which is, um, only they have to be six and older to do cousins camp. And that's been really, really enjoyable just Mm -hmm. to spend those few days with them and, uh, and love on them and help influence them, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's, so, yep. Um, so we got a handful of grandkids. Right. Is what we have. All right. Another question that comes in. Um, Mark, are you still doing construction? I am still doing construction for my kids and family members and catching up on stuff uh, in our own home. But I am not doing anything outside of that. Yeah. You closed down your business. Yeah. Focused entirely on ministry. And so you, so for those of you that don't know, Mark was 20 years a pastor. And then uh, when he left pastoring, that was actually the start of my crisis, your crisis, which led to our marriage crisis. Um, but in the midst of that, you started a construction business called Sawhorse Homes, mm-hmm. and you did that for 10 years. Yeah. And then in the midst of that, we launched Jam Savage Ministries, mm-hmm. and that's when we started doing the marriage coaching and the marriage intensives and all of that. And you were still doing Sawhorse Homes. Right. So you were carrying double duty. Yeah. It was a lot. It was crazy. and But we almost needed to do that because financially, the ministry, we weren't able to live off of ministry at that point. It wasn't built yet. Right. And, um, but yeah, you shut things down. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, really officially you finished your last job several months ago. Yeah. And and then our kids got in line. Yeah, because they were like, "Dad, I need Dad, you to do this." Dad, Dad we need a Dad, new floor. Dad, are you retired yet? Oh, you are good. <laughs> Can you help me? <laughs> and I love doing that. Honestly, I love helping them and helping others. But it's nice to uh, to make that choice of when and where. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Let's see another question, and this goes along with it. Um, you guys do marriage coaching and marriage intensives in your home. Doesn't that exhaust you hearing about so many people's problems? Mm-hmm. And we get that question all the time. Right. All the time. And our answer is no. no. We love it. Yeah. We love it because we love helping people connect the dots. We love helping people get the light bulb Mm -hmm. in their, you know, that light bulb moment that they go, Oh my gosh, I've never understood that. Right. Um, I've never seen it that way. Um, I've never understood it like that. Mm -hmm. We love that. So at the end of an intensive weekend, because a couple will come on day one, Oftentimes it's a Friday and then they leave on Sunday. They, they stay with us. They're in our home. They, um, we cook their meals. We provide, uh, the hospitality for the entire weekend. And we do about 20 hours of anywhere from 15 to 20 hours of coaching on that weekend. And it's a lot. So we're tired. We're tired. We're physically tired. Right. We're spiritually and emotionally pumped. Yes. 
We, we truly are. And we've just learned we don't take on their pain. Mm -mm. We just help weed through it and help give a clear path to continued growth. And it's just been uh, life changing for them and for us. Yeah. So we absolutely love it. Yeah. Another thing I, I love about the intensives is it not only helps the couple, but it helps us as well. We keep, we keep getting better. Yeah. Well, and we'll, we'll even have moments when we're sharing our story and we'll connect the dots again, kind of right. like my little, you know, aha moment about the hospital. We'll do that mm -hmm. um, because we'll, you know, leave them to have a, maybe a conversation privately and you and I'll come out and start lunch in the, in the kitchen and kind of go, Hey, I had a thought. Mm -hmm. So we're continuing to uh, dig deeper and grow as well. But no, we love it. It's like yeah. having a front row seat at watching God work. And then we love even the follow up because we, um, when we coach or when we do an intensive, we do, um, follow-up text coaching. Mm -hmm. And we love that because what we're doing is helping people apply in real time what they've learned. Right. Either in our coaching session or in our text or in our intensive, we're helping them. And we enjoy that. We do. And we always say to them, you can uh, stay connected to us as much as you need because we'd rather you keep working through your life challenges in a positive way in a productive way rather than to derail and then have to uh, clean up the mess and start, yeah. all, you know, you don't start all over, but it feels like you it do. feels like it to them. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So yeah. we love it. Okay. Here's another question that's come in recently. I saw on Instagram stories, um, Mark had eye surgery. What happened? Right. Well, uh, my body has produced massive amounts of floaters in my eyes. So, I was seeing uh, blob shadows, and it's it's interesting. Some people see strings or dots. I was seeing these blobs, and they were impacting my ability to have my eyes examined. Right, because not only did you have trouble seeing out, right? <laughs> I mean, you could you could still drive and things like that, but you would have to shake your head to kind of move them out of the way, <laughs> which is was so weird. <laughs> I know, but on one of your last eye exams, the nurse kept doing the the exam over and like she was trying, it was one of those machines Yeah, and you, she kept making you do it over and over again. And you were like, am I flunking this? And she's like, no, I can't see in your eye because of the number of floaters you have. Yeah. And, and that was the point where we kind of went, Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. like this is big. Yeah. And you had cataracts. So we went right. in for the cataract consult mm -hmm. and they, to have them removed. And the cataract doctor said, Mark, you have so many floaters. Have right. you considered having those removed? Which we were like, you, you can, can do, do that. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shop vac. <laughs> no. It was, uh, so anyway, w once we found out, we began the process and it, and it was interesting. The doctor, the retinal, retina specialist mm -hmm. at first said, I doubt you need Floater. He hadn't looked in your eyes yet. Right. He just, and then he looked in my eyes. He's like, oh, we'll schedule this for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's called a vitrectomy and a vitrectomy takes out the vitriol 
fluid or gel that's in the eye, which is where those floaters tend to exist. Mm -hmm. And it actually replaces it with a synthetic gel. Right. So really you should never have floaters again. Right. So, and so I had one, uh, two weeks ago and then I had my second eye done just a couple days ago mm -hmm. and it's amazing. It's emotional actually. Well, when they took off the patch of, of the, the first, first eye, Mark started crying. He started. I, I did. Yeah. I, I saw clearly through my eye with no floaters and it was so uh, intense yeah. I mean, it's so obvious that I was seeing clearly that I just, it was, it was hugely emotional to me. Yeah. So you will, um, I mean, y'all, you guys can't see what I see. He looks a little beat up right now. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but I'm better than the first one. The first one, I looked like I had Satan's eye in my <laughs> right eye. Yeah. Cause it was like super bloodshot. But right now, it's totally not yeah. this second one wasn't nearly as bad. And, um, yeah. but yeah, he looks a little beat up. So we've been laying <laughs> low and, yeah. um, and not, you know, you know, we've not been going out a whole lot because he's definitely in recovery. Yeah. Um, but so grateful. And then you'll have, they wanted to do this first because the vitrectomy can actually increase the cataracts. Mm -hmm. So you'll likely have cataract surgery like February, March. They wanted yeah. at least three months before they did the other eye surgeries. But right. It's been a good deal. Oh, so amazing. So amazing. All right. Um, last question. Do you have anything you're looking forward to in 2022? Yes. yes. <laughs> we have been uh, working intently and uh, bottom line, we just want to keep providing you with all the support we can. Yeah. And to have the, the healthy relationships you want to have. Right. And so definitely. And that we know is possible. Yes. Yes. And so we've been um, working on figuring out, you know, additional ways to bring that encouragement to you. Mm -hmm. um, some talking about doing some live online webinars. We're starting to speak a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, we just talked to someone this morning, um, a church that wants to do a marriage seminar and um, they want to get that scheduled. So yeah. we've got that coming up. Right. Um, as well. We do have an actual marriage seminar that we're planning in October of 2022. And it's, we wanted to do something in a really fun place that was almost like a destination marriage seminar. And we chose Holland, Michigan. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to Holland, Michigan. It's quaint. It's fun. It's beautiful. You can enjoy um, the, you can enjoy Lake Michigan very easily. It's mm -hmm. got a fun little downtown and so we're doing a No More Perfect Marriages seminar there. It's the first weekend in October. Right. But it's going to have a unique twist to it because it's going to have an empty nest add-on. So if you're not an empty nester, you can do the seminar Friday and Saturday. If you are an empty nester, you can do the add-on through Sunday because we're going to talk in that add-on about... Um, uh, the grief of the empty nest, the changes of the empty mm -hmm. nest, what we discover in our marriage in the empty nest, um, mm -hmm. how the empty nest affects husbands and wives differently, 
Um, so we're super excited about right. that. Right. That's coming up. Yep. Um, we, in 2022, from a personal perspective, we always spend some time in January with my mom at her condo down in Florida. Right. And we love, love, love that time with her. And we love it for us. She's in the panhandle of Florida. So it's not super warm in January. Right. Usually in the 50s, 60s. Sometimes we get a good day in the 70s. Um, but it's pretty. And we help her usually do Just maintenance, maintenance stuff. Because her condo is available to rent out. or She rents it out. Year round. Year round. Except for she's there January, February. Um, and then she rents it March through December, um, which, you know what, we can include, we'll include a, a link to where you, if you're ever looking for a beautiful place to go, right. spring, summer, or fall. It's right on the beach. It's just gorgeous. Oh, it is right on the beach. Yes. We went to Hawaii once. We were given a, a trip Tri to Hawaii, and we were so disappointed in the sand where we were. And the beach. At, and we, we were like, we would rather be at mom's condo, mom and dad's condo in Florida. Yeah. Then here right. in Hawaii. Now I loved in Hawaii. I loved like the foliage and the plants and there were other yes. things that were really neat, but the beach, you cannot beach, beat the beach <laughs> <laughs> down in uh, Okaloosa Island, Florida. It Correct. was, it's white sand. It's gorgeous. Correct. And so we love that. So we'll do that in January. And then um, we take we, a trip. We started taking a bucket list trip with both of our moms. Yeah. Uh, my stepfather has passed away and your dad passed away uh, two years ago. And we started doing these bucket list trips with my parents first. Correct. There were little places they wanted to go. Holland, Michigan was one of them. Right. Um, they wanted to go, let's see, Galena, Illinois. My dad wanted to explore the Underground Railroad in southern Indiana, and he wanted to do the Civil War sites in Franklin, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So for four summers in a row, we went somewhere they wanted to go. And so then when dad passed away, we approached our moms and said, and they, they get along well. And mm -hmm. so we said, would you guys like to do bucket list trips? And so we have a list of places they've always wanted to go. So this summer... We did the, let's see, your mom wanted to go to French Lick, Indiana, and my mom wanted to go to New Harmony, Indiana. Right. So we actually did them in the in same Junction. trip. Yeah. Yep. And um, thoroughly enjoyed it. So we'll do another trip. We don't know yet, know where. Mm -hmm. And we'll do that sometime probably in the summer. And then you and I recently had a realization Um we tend to take vacations. We tack them on to trips we're already making because we do mm -hmm. so much speaking and traveling for ministry that if we go somewhere, it's like, well, let's just add on a few days. Right. But a year ago, we were doing some work with Focus on the Family out in Colorado, and we did that. We tacked on a few days. We actually went out a week early, went through Rocky Mountain National Park, went into Breckenridge, hiked, mm -hmm. just had a blast. Loved it. The trees were gorgeous at that time. Mm -hmm. We loved hiking. Mm -hmm. We loved exploring. And this 
fall, we both missed it. Right. And we were just like, I think it's time that we just do a trip once a year to this place that we love for us. Right. And so uh, we made the decision that next next fall, uh, Jill especially loves the trees out there. I do. I love that when the aspens are turning. Right. It's just so refueling for me. And yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. And uh, totally, we both love the mountains. And, uh, and we honeymooned there. Right. So, and we've always said we'd love to live there. Of course, now the majority of our grandchildren live in Illinois. I don't ever see us moving there. It does change things. <laughs> <laughs> so I see us, though, intentionally putting ourselves there because we it's refueling to us. Right. And it's good for our relationship. So we made a decision. Yeah. We're going to start planning ahead that every fall we spend at least a week in the mountains. Right. So how we're going to do that, where we're going to do that hasn't all been figured out, Yeah, but we'll that we're going to do that. And then right. we're going to save towards it. We're going to financially save towards it because we're going to prioritize it because we both love it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're really looking forward to that in 2022. Yes. And there you go. That is a little bit of an update of what's going on in our world, our crazy life on the edge of normal. Um, that is um, a little bit of an update of what's mm-hmm. uh, what our life looks like. And if you have further questions uh, that we can answer in another life update in the future, um, don't hesitate to reach out and um, and ask them. Uh, you can always uh, connect with us at resources at jillsavage.org. And um, if you're not already getting my e-newsletter, I send one out every um, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you get yourself on my e-newsletter list. And you can do that um, by tapping into any of our resources. If you tap into any of our resources, if you even head over to markandjill.org, and uh, you can get, we offer three free ebooks that you can tap into. That'll get you on the list. You can also go to jillsavage.org slash subscribe. And markandjill.org and jillsavage.org are the same website. Right. Both get you there. Um, so if you're not on our email list, you're missing out on some of the life updates that we offer on a pretty regular basis as well. Um, as well as just, um, I try to bring encouragement into your mm-hmm. inbox every Saturday morning, um, just offering something about a lesson learned, something to consider, a little devotional, just something that um, helps uh, strengthen your life and, and, um, and make life easier and better. Mm. So I hope this has been enjoyable for you. Um, We always love to know what's going on in your life. You can always hit reply to any email you get from us. Um, And if there's any way, this is something that we put in our life on the edge of normal uh, e-letter is um, just hit reply and let us know how we can be praying for you. Absolutely. And we we, do, uh, we answer those and we do pray. Yep. Uh, for you and uh, we keep at it. 
Yeah. So, so we love sharing with you what's going on in our life and uh, we want to know what's going on in yours so that we can partner in prayer with you in any way um, that we can do that or we can celebrate with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, love hearing those stories as well. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have three free eBooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.